It is Monday, February 26, 2024. This is another edition of Baseball Today. That is not my man, Trevor Plouffe. That is the man, Jolly Olive, filling in for him. I am Chris Rose, producer Dan, along for the ride as well. Thanks again for hanging out as you're fighting through a massive broadcasting injury. <laughs> Thank you for having me, Rosie. You can tell everybody what's wrong. I actually, I'm not sure what you're insinuating. I'm not going to lie. Didn't you say you burned your tongue? Oh, okay. So you're hamming this up a little bit. Yes, I did burn my tongue yeah. while eating my dinner too fast yesterday. Yes. I thought so this was going to be between us, but now everyone's going to know that oh. I'm playing with an injury. So thank you. Let's see. Open your mouth. <laughs> you're fine? Yeah, okay. Perfect. Good. That's Perfect. the thumbnail. That's the thumbnail. Perfect. <laughs> uh, the Oakland A's, whose hat I am donning. This is the old elephant from many, many years ago during spring training. Are fighting through some broken hearts because their team is allegedly being moved to Las Vegas. So what did the fans do? They organized their own freaking fan fest. Oh boy. Really uh, let ownership have it. Kudos to them, man. I thought it was awesome to see. It is a bit heartbreaking as a, as a fan of a team that had the football squad ripped away from the city of Cleveland two and a half decades ago. I know what these people are going through. Yeah. I mean, it just shows you the community that is still there and still get a fight. Uh, I, I think having that juxtaposed with me listening to the Oakland A's TPP that came out for talking baseball uh, really made it jarring because I was, I was learning about some of the names there and uh, they're not very exciting, but there might be brighter days ahead. Who knows? Yeah, we, uh, we certainly hope that for all the good fans up there in Oakland, hopefully the league, the commissioner ownership won't take shots at your fan base anytime in the near future, but definitely know that there are people around the baseball sporting globe that have your back. All right, uh, let's get to it. Cody Bellinger, back where he um, kind of rediscovered his career a season mm. ago. Three-year, $80 million deal to stay on the north side with the Chicago Cubs. There are opt-outs after each of the first two years. So it goes 30 mil, 30 mil, and then 20 mil. Uh, the question here, did Scott Boris overplay his hand with Belly? Yeah, it's been an interesting offseason for Boris clients, and we're going to dive a little bit deeper into it. Uh, I don't think it's a bad deal for Cody Bellinger because you have to weigh the risk here. You look at the past two years before 2023 and you kind of wince at those numbers, but he was great last year and he deserves to be one of the higher paid outfielders in the game. It's eerily reminiscent of the Carlos Correa deal, which I've seen a lot of people draw a comparison to that three year opt out heavy player friendly deal. So if Cody proves he can go out there and do it again, maybe he opts out and he finally gets this deal next year. But you got to think that maybe Scott Boris had some sort of role in the number being what it was in the end. So here's the deal. I mean, I think at the beginning of the off season, if he had gotten five for 150 or some some number like that none of us would have really blinked right he kind right. of reestablished himself maybe not as the nl mvp type player like he was in 2019 but certainly not the guy who was wandering aimlessly through the baseball lore in 21 and, and 22 right i always felt that his number was as difficult to get to for any relatively proven player at age 28 that was a free agent because if I was a GM, I wouldn't know whether I could pay him as the MVP from 2019 or how to measure 21 and 22, because those were not just bad years. Those were dreadful years. In yeah. 2021, his OPS was 542. A year later, it improved by over 100 points, but that still only got you to 654. And listen, you could say he's more than just a stick, which is true. He is a 
great defender in center field and at first base. He is an elite base runner, particularly for some guy his size. The problem is it's hard to run the bases when you're heading back to the dugout every time. So it's very hard, I think, for teams. So I don't necessarily put this all on Scott Boris. Um, I don't love the way he always does things, but I don't know if this one in particular is as much fault as him as it is other teams being a little leery of what to give Bellinger long-term. And maybe it's a combination of him setting the bar high for himself. Like Boris has gotten crazy deals for players. I think of the Eric Hosmer deal off the top of my head. Even the Max Scherzer deal from a couple of years ago looked okay at the time. Didn't age as well. For Bellinger, it's a, it's a case of the client, man. You look at the past three years and you don't really know what version of the player you're going to get, even though he is, like you said, only going to be 28 years old. Uh, so I think this is the best possible outcome for him. I think he can prove himself once again next year and really earn the deal going forward. And if not, he's got a safety net of $80 million and he right. gets to play at Wrigley Field. Like It's not a bad deal at all. I just think that maybe those guys are probably a little disappointed with where this ended up. And it might be telling of what we see from the other Boris clients that are still out there kind of hanging out, waiting for their deal. By the way, Jed Hoyer, you can flex your muscles as much as you want. (laughs) Because in the off season, there were a lot of people include, we discussed this on this show. There were a lot of people in the Twitter verse Cubs fans saying, what the hell are we doing here? Like we've got a good young team. Let's add a few pieces. And for the longest time, their only addition was a manager. Right. Like for the first two months of the offseason, that's all we heard. And then since then, I thought they've made some good moves. And he waited this out. I think he realized once Kevin Kiermeyer returned to Toronto that he felt like he was bidding against himself here. And I think this is a fantastic deal for the Cubs because you know what? If you get the Bellinger from last year, we'll gladly pay you $30 million. And then if you want to try your free agency again at age 29, you can go for it because we have seven of the top 73 prospects in baseball, three of whom are outfielders. I'll be curious to see what this means for the immediate future. Pete Crow Armstrong, their top prospect, um, who's supposed to be an outstanding defensive outfielder, center fielder, still is looking for that first hit. He came up, you know, obviously in September last year and never got that first major league hit. So we'll see exactly what it means for him. I think it's a great deal for the Cubs. I think it's fine for Cody Bellinger. Maybe a little bit of a bruised ego, but I think he'll be okay because he'll be like walking around the clubhouse being like, what's up, dude? Exactly. And I mean, the NL Central is still kind of like the hardest division to predict, in my opinion. And now the Cubs are back to square one. Do they do more? I mean, maybe. I mean, the biggest hole in their lineup right now, in my opinion, is third base. And there's still a marquee free agent who plays that position very well. So maybe Jed Hoyer's not done yet. Speaking of, three of the four Boris four, if you will. So that's Snell, Monty, and Chapman. And heck, you can even throw J.D. Martinez as a full-time DH and a Boris Klein in that group as well. Do you think that Bellinger's sub-nine-figure deal opens things up for more teams to sign those other Boris clients? I think that's definitely the case. I mean, we the only wind we got for any of these guys was J.D. Martinez saying that he declined an offer from the Giants. He was seeking somewhere around $20 million. They offered $14. Uh, and I think that's kind of the theme for all of these guys. I think they're shooting for the stars, and they might be somewhere in between the ground and the galaxy because this is kind of the case of what happened with Cody Bellinger. I think people were aiming for that maybe $200, $180 million number, and it ends up being $100 million less. Uh, so for Chapman and Snell and all the other guys, they're feeling the pressure because spring training is well underway and guys are getting ramped up and getting their reps and you're going to be starting the season late the longer you wait. But I think it's just a matter of who blinks first, but it's tough to say because there's no 
real clear market for Monty and no real clear market for Snell. We heard Angels. We heard Yankees. Chapman, we haven't heard a wink of much of anything. So I don't really know where they go from here. And if desperation creeps in and maybe all the Boris clients end up losing out. I'm curious to see. So let's start with Snell, whom we've discussed ad nauseum in this offseason. He's a little bit, I put him a little bit in the Cody Bellinger basket, mm. right? Um, two amazing years where he won the Cy Young in 2018 and 2023. And then in between, if I were a GM, I'd be like, well, what were those four years? I don't know right. exactly what they were. You missed a little bit of because of injury. And then there were times you couldn't get through the fifth inning. So how am I supposed to measure you? Am I supposed to measure you as this stud in Tampa Bay that won the Cy Young in 2018 or this stud in San Diego that won it in 2023? And how do I account for those four missing years? So he's a little bit like Bellinger. When I'm tra- when I'm going to give somebody nine figures and you're now in your 30s, I can't just say, okay, here you go. Here's the money. I've got to ha- I've got to figure out a plan. Um, Matt Chapman is really interesting because Matt is an excellent baseball player, right? On both sides of the base. But is he is he top quarter of third baseman in the league right now? Like, look at some of the studs that are out there right now. Matt Chapman is a fantastic baseball player, but I'm not so sure I would pay him over. I can't pay him over Austin Riley or Jose Ramirez or Manny Machado. Alex Bregman's a free agent next year. He could be available for the first time in his career. So trying to figure out what to pay him and where he goes outside of the Cubs and or Giants, I'm having a hard time finding home. For me, the biggest question, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I I think we're, watching three or four or even five future hall of famers play third base right now chapman you can make the argument that he's top 10 and he's been above league average ops every year of his career he plays platinum glove defense but he is a little bit of a victim of that position it's kind of there's a wealth of it right now and even teams that aren't really in the market for him are developing great third base when you think of the orioles they have gunner henderson ready to go like he already proved he's great last year he's in a very tough spot and in my head I can think of two teams that might that could use a Matt Chapman. It's the Cubs and maybe him just going back to the Toronto Blue Jays, but that really limits his area for trying to get that nine-figure deal. Yeah, is I suppose Seattle is a place too. And we heard that last week there were some rumblings that they had had some discussions. Sure. Um there's one other name that you're gonna throw in that group of young guys right there with Gunnar Henderson. And to me, that's Royce Lewis. Yeah. Like you're going to have a third of the league where you could make the argument, I would rather have this guy than Matt Chapman. And I don't think that's any shot at Matt Chapman. I think it just shows you the strength of the position, right? It ebbs and flows. There was a time a few years ago where you're like, God, who's playing third base in major league? That is not the question anymore. But for me, I can't figure out the Jordan Montgomery thing at all. The guy makes every damn start. He has seemingly gotten better every year. And then last year, he was a postseason hero. Mm. So when you're talking about healthy improvement, and the guy is great when the lights are on. What are we waiting for here? I, you know, this morning there were reports that Boris had a great Zoom meeting with the Boston Red Sox. All due respect to the Red Sox, I think you, even with or without Montgomery, you're fighting it out for fifth place in the division. Where is a contending team that says, I want that guy? To me, this is the biggest head scratcher. I think it's a little bit of mix of the Tommy John history. I think last season, you know, balling out in the contract year is always a little bit scary too. But yeah, I mean, what team couldn't use a starting pitcher? If any of these guys are going to get their nine-figure deals, I believe it's going to be one of the starters, either either Snell or Monty. I'm still leaning Snell in that case, but 
for Monty, I, all the teams that are suitors for him are kind of in weird areas. Like the Red Sox were my pick to land one of them. I chose Snell. Um, but now we have this weird disillusion with their ownership group where half of them want to spend and half of them don't and they own other teams and all that. So it doesn't look like they're going to be the suitor. And then all the other teams are figuring out crafty ways to get younger and make trades and avoid spending this big time money. So, yeah, it's a little unfair to them because Snell and Monty, you don't want to think of them having to prove themselves. They just no. had stellar 2023 seasons where they fully did just that. But they might be in the case of Belly, where they have to take these shorter term deals and leave themselves susceptible to maybe never getting that mega deal, which is really unfortunate. And there's already a potent free agent class next year full of great starting pitchers like Burns, Wheeler and Freed. So they're in a tough spot, man. I don't know what the end result is going to be. It's going to be fascinating to watch, I think, over the next seven to ten days. All right. Sunday was a big one in Tampa. Uh, Carlos Rodon worked into the third inning for the New York Yankees. He gave up a solo shot and that was pretty much it. And then Juan Soto went deep in his first ever game in pinstripes. Which of those two storylines is more important to the Yankees season? Mm, good question. Um, I think I'm going to go with Carlos Rodon here and it may seem a little surprising because Juan Soto is the, the marquee acquisition and all that, but I fully believe that he's just going to be Juan Soto. And even if he isn't, he's going to get that deal in the offseason, whoever it might be. Carlos Rodon's on the books for the next four years. Year one went about as poorly as it could have gone for Carlos Rodon. You can cite injuries, whatever you want. Uh, if he does not go, it's really difficult for the Yankees rotation to string together consistency like you have Garrett Cole at the top you know what you're getting Marcus Stroman has been really consistent for his career I don't think he's as much of a wild card as some people might be making it out to be but if Carlos Rodon is not the number two guy behind Cole you're once again facing a reality where you have to rely on Nestor Cortez and who knows with his shoulder and then Clark Schmidt who was great last year but had such a terrible start to the season what version of him are you going to get You've sunk $150 million into Carlos Rodon. You need him to be the guy he was in 2021. And 2022 is even better for the Giants there. So I think it's him. And I think if you have this dynamic one-two punch, and maybe if you add somebody else, whether it's at the deadline or if you really are a player for Snell, it takes the Yankees to a whole new level. They're playing in the most tough division. You need every edge you can get. And as every team continues to get better in the Orioles and the Rays are going to Ray, I think the Yankees need this edge. So I'm picking Carlos Rodon. I don't think it's actually very close here yeah. because we know exactly what Juan Soto is. He's already got three top six MVP finishes, including a runner up. His career OPS is 946. That is 27th all time in the history of baseball. <laughs> the only active players who are better than that are Mike Trout and Aaron Judge. So you can plug in even last year. He got off to such a shitty start and. He still finished with an OPS, I think, over 930 right. and was the only San Diego Padre regular with one over 800. So I am never worried about him. Could he put up even more astronomical numbers? I suppose it is possible, you know, with he and Judge hitting back to back. It's sure conceivable. And part of the interest in his narrative is the fact that he is about to be a free agent at the end of the year. And there was at least one reporter over the weekend who said, well, not only is he not staying in New York with the Yankees, He's going to stay in the vicinity and sign with Jolly's Mets. Yeah, I don't know how true about it. So, right. So are you okay with that, by the way? I'm perfectly fine with it, but it's going to be an entire calendar year of this, and my brain's already tired. Right. So to me, that's the more interesting part of the story. But if we're talking about who is more important to the team in terms of getting to a certain level, it's Carlos Rodon. 
You paid a guy $162 million over six years. Last year was a horrible season. Three and eight, six, eight, five ERA in 14 starts, two stints on the injury list. And who could forget how the season ended for him in Kansas City last year? Right. He did not get an out in that last start. Matt Blake, the pitching coach, comes out to talk to him. And what does he do? He basically turns his back and says, I don't want anything to do with you. Now, he has since then apologized several times, including Blake face-to-face. -face. You know, the next day in Kansas City, he continued to do it publicly. He has allegedly reshaped his body. He's gotten rid of the mustache. He feels like he is. And all that stuff is great. I love hearing that if I'm a Yankees fan at the end of February. I need to see it in June, July, August, et cetera, or this is just going to be another one of those deals where it was a lost cause. Yeah, I mean, you can go back to the early 2000s and even the 2010s and find a lot of Yankees starting pitcher contracts that really didn't end up well. Kevin Brown yep. comes to mind, even A.J. Burnett, even though he was a postseason hero for them. And you really don't want to go back down that road because it changes the entire narrative of the season. It really affects the trajectory of your team if your number two guy ends up being your number five or, or just a complete anchor to your rotation. And the Yankees now, because of the Juan Soto trade, don't really have a lot of starting pitching depth they can tap into in the minor leagues. It's going to be these five guys. And as soon as an injury hits, I know this from personal experience, the Kodai Senga injury has completely reshaped how I think the Mets are going to do early in the season. Hint, it's going to be bad, I think. And if the Yankees get some sort of bad news with Rodon or even Nestor, who has his concerns too, it's going to really affect the one lone Juan Soto year as it is right now. Yep. Good point. All right, what's uh, one other thing that caught your eye during our first full weekend of games uh, around spring training? Oh, good question. Well, we're talking about starting pitchers. We're talking about the AL East. I want to turn it over to the Baltimore Orioles really quick. And I know I talk a lot about the O's whenever I get a chance to be on baseball today. Um, the narrative with them has always kind of been the starting pitching rotation, and now we're viewing it as a strength. Uh, but we saw Kyle Bradish go down, which I think is affecting their early season trajectory. But that was before I saw Cole Irvin pitch yesterday. Mm. Cole Irvin was touching 95, 96 miles per hour on his fastball, which is a far cry from where he was last year, uh, sitting around 91, 92. This was a guy that was really good for the Oakland A's in 2022. And when they, when the Orioles quietly acquired him, I thought that was a great pickup for them to kind of bolster their depth. He really didn't have it as a member of the rotation last year. I think he was a little bit better in the bullpen, but he's slotted as their number five right now because Bradish is going to be out indefinitely with his injury. And if he can provide something of anything, including what he looked like yesterday, I think that's a huge get for the Orioles. So I'm really interested to see uh, how he fans out uh, later on in the year because he changed a couple pitch shapes. He went to tread athletics and added velocity to his fastball, which you can point to a lot of different guys in the league doing and completely reshaping their career. So if Cole Irvin is the guy that he was yesterday, then I'm really excited to see how he pitches in the regular season. Well, so boy, you and I are on the same wavelength because really? yeah, well, right position pitcher, Throws with the correct hand when we're coming to you know, talking about a discussion here. Left-hander. You even had the first name nailed in terms of Cole. Ah, uh, nice pick. Yeah. Cole Reagans of the uh, Kansas City Royals. He's the guy who came over in the Aroldis Chapman deal last mm -hmm. year. And I was like, how did this guy never make it in Texas? I know he had some stints and mostly coming out of the bullpen. He did get a little bit of a chance to start, and it didn't really work out for him. Uh, in his basically three-plus seasons in Texas, on and off in the big leagues, an ERA of 5-3. Last year in a dozen starts with the Royals, his ERA was 2-6-4. Um, Sunday, he got six outs, five via the strikeout. 
I, I think for a team that has been able to develop everyday position players uh, at times over the last decade, but has just continuously whiffed on starting pitchers, they need something to literally drop out of the sky, appear for them, and be a guy who they can count on every five days. I'm not ready to say this is 100% it, but geez, if I'm a Royals fan, I'm like, holy shit, we pulled one off on the baseball world. Like usually they're getting over on us. Finally, we got over on them. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm I'm all the way there on Cole Riggins. This is a guy that's really, really fun to watch pitch. And I think the only thing holding him back last year was kind of a, a, a shapeless fastball, which early in spring training looks like it's not going to be the case this year. Um, he's a big changeup guy. He's got incredible velo. And it's really interesting because the Rangers were using him out of the pen. Then they sent him down and they stretched him out as a starter, I think, to be a part of a trade, to lure a team in and say, hey, we got the starting pitcher we're not using. We'll take a reliever, and that's a favorable deal for you. And then Cole Reagans just turns in 12 great starts for the Royals and is now the de facto ace of the rotation. I mean, I don't know how much I'm buying the Royals in, in 2024. I think they're going to take a huge step forward. But if Reagans is the guy that he is and you have Lugo and Waka behind him, suddenly, after having no starters last year, you have three guys that can really take the pill and give you six good innings. Um, so I'm really excited to watch him pitch this year. And what a steal. We could be looking back at that as one of the crazier rental trades in recent baseball history, even though the Rangers did end up winning it all in the end. I think maybe in about uh, I'm going to set the over under on like 18 months for a Jolly Olive piece to come out on a Saturday <laughs> about Cole Reagans. And How did he get here? here? Yeah. Do you remember this? one? I mean, he was let's not act like he's a no talent dude. He was a first-round pick of of the then-pitching-starved Rangers in 2016. Right. So he was going to get every opportunity to be the guy, right? When you're a high draft pick and you need starting pitching, get your ass over here. Let's go. And in Texas, I don't care whether you're in a dome or not, that heat affects you. I know people say, well, hold on, now they're playing in a dome. Just living in it and that oppressive heat. They might as well play their home games on the sun at times. Yeah. I can tell you that. You know, I did – um when I was doing Fox Saturday baseball, I was doing the pregame show on the field. We had a day game in Texas in late May against the Tampa Bay Rays. So I had to do the pregame show in a freaking suit on the field. No dome. <laughs> and it was 122 degrees during the oh, game. There's video of this. Beat oh, Red yeah, on the field. Oh, I was just sweating my ass off. I was sitting in the corner of the Rays dugout. And they were so nice to me. They kept bringing over like these ammonium towels and I like putting it on the backs of my, my button down shirt is getting soaked, but at least there was some, you know, refreshness back there. And Rosie, it's, it's one of the many reasons why I love my job. There's no, I can wear shorts in the summer to work. Yes. I mean, people take that for granted around here. I mean, imagine yeah. having to suit up every day. That's insane. I know exactly. That's ridiculous. We're I not, we're know. never throwing on ties here. Damn it. Okay. Last thing, your buddy Tim Meza, didn't you do a bunch of uh, trivia with him? With yeah, him and Adam Simber came through. They were very nice guys. Um, yeah. And Tim was uh, super down for all the content, so he's one of my faves now. Well, he provided more content this weekend where he had to be the bat boy. He was not <laughs> pitching in relief for the Toronto Blue Jays. And everybody at first trying to read, what number is he? Like, you know, we always see those weird numbers in spring training, mm. 94, 79. Well, this was four dash ten, and everybody's like, "Oh my god, he finished last in his fantasy football league with a record of four and ten, and this is his punishment." I mean, that is 
tip of the cap, hands down, best punishment you will ever see because it's relatively harmless, but man, is it hilarious. Yeah, I mean, if you have the resources to pull that off, like being all major league players, then you got to do it. And I got to say, you know, four and 10, obviously not a good record, but every fantasy league I've been a part of, the last place guy usually has one or two wins. Right. So that's kind of a tough turn. Uh, for Tim Mesa, I've I've never been the last place guy. I don't know what it feels like. Um, but Tim, you know, if you need any draft tips, any draft strategy, just hit me up, man. Yeah, actually, I texted Bassett about it, and he was like, "I got to be honest with you, I thought that was going to be me." He said, "I lost Aaron Rodgers week one and Nick oh, Chubb no. week two. I don't even know how I didn't finish. Worse than that, I was like, wow, you guys really gutted it out. Good That's job. Easy. Do we know who won? Ooh, I've got to ask him. Yeah, Christian. let me know. I'm curious." Uh, I would text him right now, but I think I'll put a I'll put a side bet in on Dalton Varsha. I don't know why he just looks like he'd be good in fantasy. That's good. Yeah. These guys they take it so seriously. I know. The best thing is when you all right, baseball fans, pay attention to this. Put this in your storage bank for seven months from now. In September, when they take a shot of the dugouts, look at the number of guys who are not there in between <laughs> innings because they are back in the clubhouse watching football on Sundays. No. Yes. Never. No. Yes. Just want to let you know. Yeah, there's guys they'll send back guys to go check on their fantasy teams for them during the games. The guys who are playing in the game. But if you're not in the game or if you're, you know, a starting pitcher, they're all back. So you're telling me six months into a season, 150 games in, these guys are sick of watching baseball? I know. It's really strange. It just starts in September. That's, That's absolutely it. absurd. That is it. That was a great uh I have seen the this stuff, and there was somebody else, I guess, who did this recently where they have to go to either like a Waffle House or an IHOP. And- That's what my league does, yeah. Really? Yeah, basically you have to sit there. I believe it's – we did we did, we did did a lighter version of it. We do uh, 12 hours, and every time you eat a full pancake, you trim an hour off. But, you know, those pancakes are big, man. They fill you they up are. real quick. So what are you knocking off at most? Four hours tops probably? The guy who got last last year knocked off six pancakes, so he was there for six hours, which was pretty good. I mean, he was a smaller guy, and he was oh, able to hold his own. Did yeah. he puke? No, he didn't puke. He was okay. Really? I don't think I could eat six pancakes in six hours. Well, I could eat six pancakes. No could doubt. you? Yeah. These are enormous. They're thick. I'm fluffy. a big guy. No, you're Sneaky. not. Sneaky. Of, well, it's all that running you're doing. It's making yeah, you work up the appetite, Rosie. There yeah, you go. The hollow leg there, Jolly Olive. All right. Uh, boy, fun, fast-filled 30 minutes here. Not even quite 30, but uh, we love it. Baseball's back. Keep enjoying the games. Watch them on TV. We'll break them down. We're coming back probably right after our next venture to the East Coast. We're probably going to be starting with five days a week in the middle of March, is my fun. guess. So, yeah, we cannot wait. But uh, tune in later this week. We don't know if we're going Thursday or Friday yet. But just keep it posted to at Chris Rose Sports on your social media channels. We'll retweet it from the John Boy Media uh, social media channels as well. And we will see you later in, on this week. So for our one-of-a-kind producer, Dan Rourke, and our team MVP, Jolly Olive, for filling in for Trevor Plouffe, I am Chris Rose.